Welcome to the Thankful Homemaker Podcast, a podcast to be an encouragement and blessing to each other in the role God has called us to as women. I'm so thankful you stopped by, so grab yourself a coffee or tea and sit with me a bit as we talk about how God's Word impacts every area of our lives as Christian women. Hello, friends. I'm Marcy Farrell from thankfulhomemaker.com. And today we're going to dig in together on what God's Word has to say about our anxiousness and our worry. We have been working through the book of Matthew at church and um, for quite a while now, and we've been in the Sermon on the Mount, particularly now for quite a few months. There is so much to take in there, and I've been utilizing D. Martin Lloyd-Jones' sermon series to read along with the scriptures as I prepare for our Sunday mornings. It's a really great resource I highly recommend. It's called Studies in the Sermon on the Mount. And one thing our pastor Ross shared about this particular text that that I'm going to pull today about anxiousness and worry, it's a little longer text. It's from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34, ones we all know so clearly. And what I want to begin with is an area that really convicted me, that when I'm worrying about a situation, I'm creating an idol, and worry reveals the idols of my heart that is something that I treasure more than Christ is what an idol is. And for me, particularly, my worry usually isn't about physical things, although it can be at times. But my worry and anxious thoughts usually come about with situations in my life that I have no control over, which the reality, if I'm honest here in my head, is I truly have no control over anything. (laughs) Um, But But my problem is with these situations in my life that in my mind I have no control over and I want control over because I want the outcome to be how I think it should be and in my timing, so I worry about the outcome. Well, at that very moment, I'm forgetting who is truly in control and my thoughts are self-centered and I believe at that moment, in my mind, what my worry is showing me is that I know better than God. You know, that's sin And my worry surely is not helping God or myself in any way. It's not changing anything, right? So at that moment, I love how our pastor Roz put it, I've forgotten that God is ruler, not me. Just something I need to be reminded of. So the passage in Matthew 6, 25-34 reminds me what Jesus says to worriers like myself. So, ladies, as we walk through this passage today, my prayer is that the Lord would speak to my heart and to yours, and the hope is we will both be reminded that the Lord knows what we need and has already provided for it. So let me read these verses to you today, and if you can open up your Bible, if you're in a place to sit, I always love when you can do that. Grab yourself your coffee or tea, and as I say at the beginning, sit a bit with me. So, Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So what is the definition of worry? So just grabbing it from the dictionary, it says to give way to anxiety or unease, to allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles. That sums it up pretty good there. So when I find myself up in the middle of the night with a distracted mind going through the what ifs and what abouts, my mind is troubled and it's not at peace. My mind is going in all different directions, determining all kinds of different scenarios that may or may not happen. My joy and peace in the Lord is taken away. Idolatry has taken over my heart because my worry is saying that I want to be God. And in my anxious thinking, I'm questioning the Lord's ability to care for me. I'm seeking my kingdom and not his when I worry. Worry reveals pride in my heart because I'm believing at that moment that if I think about this issue long enough, I'm going to be able to figure it out all without God's help or figure it all out with God's without God's help. Worry can cause health issues. This is something we don't always think about. It, it also affects how we treat others, and it takes away my ability to trust God. Sometimes I find myself worrying about how much I worry. <laughs> we know that we're not to worry. And the end thing here, the point I want to make that we need to be mindful is worry is sin. So I can easily just stay right here and stop the whole podcast and just say, you know what, we just need to stop worrying. But that is not the most helpful place to start. <laughs> I need to bring my heart and your hearts back to the gospel, what Christ has already done for us. And now as believers, as Christians, those who have repented and put their faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, we need to be reminded that we have a heavenly father who loves us and cares for us and knows what we need. So before we get started into digging into Matthew 6, 25 through 34, I want to take us back a few verses into Matthew 6, 19 to 21, and I want to help us determine where our hearts are. So starting in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I want us to ponder, what do we tend to worry about? What do I value more than I ought to? It probably comes to our minds pretty quickly. Whatever it is, that's our treasure. What we treasure most controls us. But when Jesus and his work on my behalf is my treasure, I won't worry. Too often my eyes are not on Christ but on me and my problems and my situations. I forget that I'm a child of the King, a pilgrim on this earth, and home with my Father is my final, eternal destination. My eyes are on the temporal and not on the eternal. I forget that He's working all things for my good and His glory. And I think about just alone, the saints in Hebrews 11, chapter 11, are a great example for me to be reminded of. 
So let's look at a little smaller chunk here. It's still a decent chunk, but I'm going to read to you again, Matthew 6, 25, just going up to verse 30 this time. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So I need to be reminded of how God takes care of all things. And I love how Jesus does that here in these verses. If God cares for the birds, how much more will he care for me? God is willing and able to provide for me, his child. Again, my heavenly father cares for me and knows what I need. Do look at the passage though, because many, many times we hear the unbiblical statement of let go and let God. He cares for the birds and provides for them, but they still need to get off the branch and get the food that he's providing for them, right? He doesn't bring it and put it into their beak. We still need, as pilgrims on this earth, to plow and sow and reap and do the things that God has ordained for us in this world, but we don't need to be anxious that our needs won't be provided for sufficiently. God cares for us. The, the word here used for anxious can also indicate something that divides or distracts. So a helpful example that we all know is from the story of Martha and Mary in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Martha was distracted. Again, it's the same term used for anxious there about many things. Mary had a single focus. She wasn't distracted. The danger here is being distracted by worldly things and thinking and looking at them and neglecting to look at God. This is the concern of Jesus here in this passage. God's care in providing exactly what we need doesn't mean that we're going to get what we want, but it does mean that everything we truly need has been and will be given to us. So when we're anxious or we're worrying about a situation or over whatever it is, our belongings or whatever it may be, we're questioning the Lord's care for us. And in Matthew 6, 26, we're reminded that we are of more value than the birds of the air. That's such a good picture to be mindful of. The Lord cares for the birds. He will care for us. Our lives are of great value to God as we're created in his image. If we are in Christ, he has set his love upon us. So if God's going to take care of every one of my needs, right? And I, I know this, right? Why do I still worry? I worry because I forget. I forget the gospel. I forget of what Jesus has done for me. I forget of God's great love for me demonstrated through his work on the cross. We are a forgetful people. And in the midst of our worrying, we need to be constantly reminded of how God has loved us. Everything we need has been given to us in Christ. Ponder that. Everything, not some things or many things, but everything. Let's just look at a few of the wonderful truths that are ours if we are in Christ. We are loved, adopted, chosen, forgiven, redeemed, citizens of heaven, children of the King, 
no longer under condemnation, sealed by the Holy Spirit. God is working all things in our lives together for good. We are never alone. And in the twinkling of an eye, we will spend all eternity with him in glory, to just name a few. These truths of all that is ours in and through the gospel should change the way we look at everything. His love for us is not based on our outward performance. His love for us is based on the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Our lives in this world are not accidental. God has a plan and purpose for every situation that he allows in our lives, and it's to make us more like Christ. It's to grow us in our dependence on him and to keep our eyes focused on him in all things. I know it many times to you ladies as you listen to me, my words can seem repetitive, but I know that I need this constant reminder because I am a forgetful person. So in talking about how the lilies and the grass are transient in this passage and they don't last long, um, Dr. Jones here reminds us that they are here today with their exquisite beauty and they're gone tomorrow. But I want you to listen to his next words. He says, these beautiful things come and go and that is the end of them. You, however, are immortal. You are not only a creature of time, you belong to eternity. It's not true to say that you are here today and gone tomorrow in a real sense. God hath set eternity in the heart of man. Man is not meant to die. Dust thou art, to dust returnest, was not spoken of the soul. You go on and on. You not only have natural dignity and greatness, but you also have an eternal existence beyond death and the grave. When you realize that truth about yourself, can you believe that the God who has made you and destined you for that is going to neglect your body while you are in this life and world? Of course not. If God so clothed the grass of the field, which this, which to this day is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Before I move down in a bit, I want to look at the last half of verse 30 in chapter 6 in Matthew, where it says, Oh, you of little faith. Note here, he doesn't say, Oh, you of no faith, right? Because there is faith here. So as we move forward in this passage into verses 31 and 32, Jesus is describing the Gentiles, or maybe in some of your other translations, it may say pagans. This Jesus is referring to the non-believers. They don't have faith, so their lives are centered totally different from ours. Dr. Jones says, quote, little faith is mastered by our circumstances instead of mastering them. So ladies, we don't want our faith to begin and end with just our salvation. That would be little faith. If we come to Christ as our Savior and just stop there, that's not where we want to be. We want our faith to invade, to take over and control every area of our lives as believers. Our Christian faith is a thinking faith. It's one that should be continually growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be meditating on God's word and thinking deeply of things of the Lord. We need to be continually renewing our minds through intake of the scriptures and prayer. And then we need to apply what we know to the circumstances of our lives. Little faith doesn't do this. 
Matthew 6.33 goes on as we continue. It says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So what does it mean to seek the kingdom of God above all else? The word seek means to strive after, to seek by thinking, meditating, reasoning, or inquire into. It is active here. We are to work through what it means and looks like to behave as Christians. If we're Christians, we're in the kingdom and we should be seeking it more and more. Seek first, as it says in verse 33, it means that simply God should be first in our lives. His desire should be our desires. We should desire to serve and obey Him in all things. The character of Jesus should be the pattern that we live our lives by. We should desire to be more like Christ. If we're seeking holiness, if we're growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, our faith will automatically increase. Putting and seeking God first will drive out worry and anxiousness in our lives. And Matthew 6, 34 continues, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is a verse that I repeat to myself quite often. (laughs) It is a good one. Here we're talking planning is not forbidden. And that's good news for a planner like me, right? And our planning can be time well spent. But when we worry about tomorrow, that time is wasted. Planning is good when we think ahead about our goals and schedules. And in the midst of it all, we trust in God's guidance. And no matter what, we can say, nevertheless, Lord, your will be done. Many times for me, my planning helps to alleviate possible worry in my life, especially at times when I'm starting to feel overwhelmed with a particular project or a task that I have, that if I can sit and plan it and break it down into manageable steps, that alleviates my mind and helps me. But I can still fall into worry in those times when I'm finding it hard to trust God, and I may find myself overtaken by fear. There's no purpose, and it puts me in a miserable place when I worry about tomorrow because it affects my relationship with God today. So I want to share another quote with you from Dr. Jones. And really, I want to share this whole book with you. So put it on your wish list, please, for me, ladies. But I want to share this quote with you. He says, There is a sense in which we commit ourselves to God once and forever. There is another sense in which we have to do it every day. There is a sense in which God has given us everything in grace once and forever. Yes, but he gives grace to us also in parts and portions day by day. We must start the day and say to ourselves, here is a day which is going to bring me certain problems and difficulties very well. I shall need God's grace to help me. I know God will make all grace abound. He will be with me according to my need. As thy days, so shall thy strength be. That is the essential biblical teaching with regard to this matter. We must learn to leave the future entirely in God's hands, end quote. And I'll put those quotes in the show notes, so don't feel like you have to scribble those down. You could head over to the blog to find those. I'm reminded that my Heavenly Father gives me everything I need. He takes care of every single one of them. So I, if I don't have something that I want right now, it's not a need. Ouch, that's a hard one, right? So if I don't have something I want right now, it's not a need. There may be something he takes away from my life so that he is truly my treasure. And if something has come into my life, it is 
whatever it is, a good thing or a trial or a difficulty, it is only through his loving hand. So it is for my good and his glory. Oh, remember that one. Remember that one. Nothing is by chance, but everything in our lives is by his good providence. The gospel reminds me that everything I truly need has been given to me. God's desire is that our happiness and joy is found in him. So at those moments when I find my mind beginning to become anxious over a situation or to worry, I need to ask myself, why am I worrying? Look at what the Lord has done. Jesus is right now seated at the right hand of God, interceding for us. Jesus is in heaven praying for us. Ponder that a moment. I don't have to continue in the sinful thought pattern that takes my peace and joy and puts the focus on myself and off of Christ. I can cast all my cares on the Lord because He cares for me and He has shown me through what He did on the cross in my place. The gospel reminds me that God will care and provide for us. Jesus is going to return and the world will be made right. The power of sin in my life has been broken. Jesus was tempted to worry, Hebrews 4.15, and never did. And his perfect record is ours if we have repented of our sins and put our faith and trust in him alone for our salvation. So how can we put off worry? Elizabeth Elliot says, worry is the antithesis of trust. You simply cannot do both. They are mutually exclusive. So many times when I wake up in the middle of the night or find my mind wandering into worry, I'm trying to be mindful to stop and say to the Lord, Lord, I'm doing it again. There is no transforming power when I look to myself. I need to look to Jesus and cast all my cares on him because he loves me. I ask the Lord to draw me close to him and remind me of his mercy and grace in the gospel. I ask him to help me give this to him, and I'm reminded he does know what it is to walk as we walk. And I'm reminded I can't do this in my own power but only because he is working in me and in my faith will not fail me. I can trust in him completely because of what he has done for me. So I'm reminded to speak his word back to myself, to meditate on it. So I memorize passages like Philippians 4, 6, and 7, and Philippians 4, 8, and this Matthew passage, the whole thing, Matthew 6, 25 through 34, and specifically Matthew 6, 33 through 34. In everything with prayer, the verse that I just mentioned in Philippians 4, 6, and 7 tells me to let my request be made known to him, and he will give me peace. I can take my concerns to Jesus, and he hears and he answers. So in the middle of the night or in my moment of worrying during the day when I'm speaking to myself, it's not usually on things that are true. When that worrying is coming up, it's I'm not meditating on Philippians 4, 8 at that moment. But I want to explain to us, sometimes we forget to continue on in that verse, because if we continue on in those Philippians verses, chapter four into verse nine, let's see what Paul reminds us to think and practice on. It says in verse nine, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Paul reminds us we need to think about the gospel in those times. So as time goes on and I meditate on these passages and what the Lord has done for me, he grows my faith. And as my faith continues to grow, I find that I struggle less and less with this sin. 
I can give thanks quicker and easier because I see the good that he's working in my life during these times. When I do struggle, I find that my heart and mind is drawn quicker to the gospel and the reminder of why I do not need to be anxious about anything. So I pray today that we will continue to fight the good fight and do battle with worry in our lives, that we won't be anxious about our life, but remember that God has given us everything we need in the gospel. May we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness in all things. The gospel reminds me that nothing, nothing can separate me from his love, no matter what difficulties or trials I may face. And A.W. Pink tells us, I want to close with this quote, the best antidote for anxiety is frequent meditation upon God's goodness, power, and sufficiency. Nothing is too big and nothing is too little to spread before and cast upon our Lord, end quote. My ladies, Jesus is enough always. Thank you for your time today. You can find the show notes and resources that I mentioned at my little home on the web, thankfulhomemaker.com. And I hope you can join us next week. We're going to be talking about where to begin if you're overwhelmed in your homekeeping. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend or two and leave a rating or review. If you haven't had a moment to do that yet where you listen to podcasts, I'd be so thankful for you to do that. It helps others to find it. And again, I always am so grateful for those of you that have. It's a blessing to me to read them too and an encouragement. So thank you for your comments and notes. Have a blessed week, my dear friends. 